Hang on, I need to turn off my cell phone. For those of you who were not here last week, a cell phone went off um, while our special speaker was here. And um, I just want to emphasize that as, as a way to say that you share a story, and that's one of them that you share, and one of them on which you can reflect and talk and laugh and embarrass someone in particular. Um, But we're thinking today about story. We're thinking about narrative and the stories that have made us who we are. So I'm going to share with you a story about which I have been ashamed for many years. Um, It was brought to mind at this narrative leadership retreat, which I attended last week. Each participant was asked to share a story of leadership prior to the age of 20. This is the one I told. In my junior year of high school, my creative friend Rhonda had the idea to start a new girls' social club and service club. And eight of us worked together on establishing guidelines and goals and the structure. And as we did so, it was obvious that Rhonda, my creative friend who had the original idea, would be the president. And she led well. As we wrapped up that first year and prepared for the next, some of us were thinking about where we wanted to go to college. I wanted to go to James Madison University, but I had few extracurricular activities, leadership activities, that I thought might sway the the, uh, application committee. And so when it came time to consider officers, I said I'd like to be president running against my friend Rhonda. The silence in the room spoke loudly, and yet when the ballots were counted, the position went to me. As I told the group last week this story, I confessed to the shame that I have always felt about betraying my friend, and I have felt a need to apologize, but we had lost touch. Well, I'm not sure I had ever told that story, and certainly not to a group of ministers gathered to listen and reflect on it. The two of their reactions stick out in my mind. The first was by a woman my age who, after we, we had the time of kind of reflective, quiet, listening, kind of honoring the story, she broke out in laughter and she said, oh, I remember that high school drama. And she talked, too, about how there were two other girls in the same grade with her and they were always competing with everything. And that was completely different from my experience. I wasn't a competitor, and yet I had stepped up at this point. Another response that jumped out and that sticks in my memory is from a male pastor in his 30s, and he wondered why I felt the need to apologize. He He didn't see it as betrayal at all, just kind of the way things go. So... The group's varied reflections opened to me aspects of the story which had been invisible to me with my narrow perspective. And only with the help and insight of others could I see in three dimensions, in 3D. 
Well, in both of our scripture stories today, a person with a skin disease asks for help. We'll start with the Hebrew Testament story in 2 Kings 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master because by him the Lord has given, had given victory to Aram. In the Hebrew Testament, we're following the story of the Israelites. Naaman was not an Israelite, and yet he had led his king's army to defeat the Israelites' army. And so, in the Israelites' perspective, that must have been because the Lord wanted that to happen. The Lord wanted the Israelites to lose. Naaman was the winner. Not only did he command the army of the king, he was a great man. And the king thought highly of him. He was the Eli Manning of Aram. Top of his game, wearing the king's signet ring. However, there's often a however, a but, or a though. Naaman was a great warrior, a successful man, but he suffered from leprosy. This scaly skin disease was contagious and made him ritually unclean. He was like a child with chickenpox or the measles who is set aside in the room so that nobody can get in there and touch it and, and, uh, so the disease wouldn't spread. And you can imagine how this saddened not only Naaman, but the king who wanted him healed so he could continue his good work as a warrior and commander. Ironically, the first news of potential healing came from an Israelite girl, a young girl who had been captured in a raid and was serving Naaman's wife. She was young and she was foreign, but, there's that word, she would not withhold the possibility of healing even from the man who had captured her. Let's not gloss over this lovely act of grace. Instead of revenge, the girl performed an act of generosity. She had been ripped away from her people to serve a foreigner, but she did not let that pain control her. Perhaps even it impelled her to say what she said. And so think about your story or your stories Things in life that may control who you are now. Do any of those stories come to mind? Does one incident color the way you look at life? I know of a man whose older brother threw out a nasty and degrading comment when they were in high school, and that insult haunted him for decades. Once he was able to talk about it, and recognized the power that those words had had over him for decades, he was able to begin to release his shame and embarrassment that he carried for those 30 years. What would it have looked like, or what would it look like, for him to then embrace the fact that that story had shaped him? Even though it was a bad experience, a lot of motivation and drive had come from it. It had formed him into the man, the husband, the father, the employee he had become. And what then could he do with that? Another man loved going to church as a child, 
because that was the only place where he didn't get hit. What could he do with that? He became a psychotherapist who works with abusers and victims. A young woman had helicopter parents and felt so much pressure to be the perfect child that she became bulimic. What could she do with that? She knew she needed help and went to a treatment center out of state, and several years later she is much healthier and happier. All of our experiences shape us into the people we are right now, this very minute. How does that feel? Are there specific nodal stories that come to mind that continue to shape your actions and your thoughts? I expect we all have them, whether we're willing to admit them or not. We do not get through life unscathed. We have stories of pain or regret or betrayal. The scriptures remind us that we don't have to handle our failures alone. When we open the lid on our stories, we find healing, sometimes simply in the telling. Jesus was preaching throughout Galilee, and we have the story of another man, another man with leprosy who came and knelt before Jesus and said to him, if you choose, you can make me clean. Why did this man go to Jesus to be healed? Why did he say what he said, if you choose, you can make me clean? Who can heal but God? Was he ascribing divine power to Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus rises to the man's challenge. The translations vary, so we're not sure whether Jesus was moved with pity or moved with compassion or moved with anger. But whatever it was that motivated him, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man. And touching a leper was against the law. And he said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. But that's not the end of the story. The man has some work to do to complete the healing Jesus started. Ritual law required that a priest proclaim him clean after the appropriate offerings, so Jesus told him not to say anything, just to go and prove his cleanness to the priest. Here's that word again. But he went out and began to proclaim freely the news about his healing through Jesus and to spread the word. Now, did he go to the temple or not? We don't know. It sounds like he didn't. This experience with Jesus reshaped this man, set him off on a new direction. And the former leper's preaching shaped others as well, But his disobedience to Jesus' command had an effect on Jesus. So that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country. And the people came to him from every quarter. Naaman, in the Hebrew Bible, was given instructions on on how to receive and complete his healing. Elisha sent a message telling him simply to go into the Jordan River not one of his rivers in Aram, 
wash seven times and he would be clean. Maybe there should be some hocus pocus to this. Shouldn't there be more to it than that? I thought for me, he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. He was offended by the ease of the prophet's instructions, but that was all he needed to do. The healing was accomplished by asking for help and responding with appropriate action. And it was much easier than anticipated. It's true, this individual aspect, that we have our stories that we're shaped by. It's true on an individual basis, but it's also true on a corporate basis. It's true in colleges. It's true in businesses. It's true in churches. Churches have mistakes that we live with and that create us and make us, shape us into who we are. We can look back now and say, why did they mess up the winches for the chandelier, with chandeliers in here when they put in the air conditioning system because, so you can't lower the chandeliers anymore to change the bulbs? I mean, really. Why did we hire that pastor anyway? Wouldn't it have been better if we had handled the problem like this? Our mistakes, our successes, all of our experiences make us the people we are, and we choose what sort of power we let these experiences have over us. But rarely can we do it alone. Another story we were invited to tell at last week's retreat was our favorite biblical story. My favorite story since childhood has been the one where Jesus was in a house healing and the crowd was so thick that it filled the area within the house and beyond the doorway. And these four guys had a friend who was paralyzed. And since they couldn't get Jesus through the door because of all the people, they found a way to get up on the roof, break a hole in the mud roof, and lower the guy to Jesus. Now, there are so many interesting aspects of this story to imagine. Jesus seeing or feeling the dry bud come down from the ceiling, and then the mat on which this man was laid coming down, or the perspective of the paralyzed man who was looking up and He's got four friends, and there are four corners to the mat. And so if one of them lets go, he's paralyzed. He can't do a thing except fall. But this is a story of, for me, it's a story of collaboration and a group of people working together to bring healing to one person. And when the one person was healed, they all could celebrate. And that's why church is such a gift. We help hone each other into stronger Christians, but at the same time, we recognize that none of us is perfect. We all have painful stories, and we desperately want someone to listen to our stories and despite them to love us the way we are. This week, as you have the opportunity to listen to other people's stories, Listen with love and not to compete 
And as you do so, offer forgiveness and grace, which lead to healing. The New York Giants didn't have a great season. They won nine games and lost seven. But whether it's despite that or whether it's because of that, the team earned that Vince Lombardi trophy. And each team member receives a Super Bowl ring because it took the whole team working together to win. Each of us, too, is a combination of wins and losses. We don't have perfect seasons. But when we work as a team of Christ followers, we can receive that healing together and then offer it gracefully to others. Let's pray for courage to do so. Holy Lord, thank you for reaching deep within us and sealing the cracks of brokenness. Thank you for forgiving us through Jesus Christ and bringing us back to cleanliness. Thank you for the opportunity to go proclaim the good news to others who have not heard. Guide us, O God, as we seek to help you heal others in your holy name. Amen.